Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Follower Podcast again. We're in this series called Saturate, and the idea behind Saturate is that in the wake of Corona, there's this massive opportunity for us to step in to the invitation of God and begin to build with the Spirit of God the kind of world that looks more like the kingdom of God. And that that's not just for a few people. That's not just for a few professionals, preachers, pastors, and those kind of guys. That's actually for all the people of God in all the different places where he has placed them. And so we're looking at that through the lens of the spheres, which is like seven different places of influence in society, whether that's places like governance or media and communications, family, business, art, uh, et cetera, church sphere. Um, and today I have my good friend with me, Kenley Swart. And uh, hi, Kenley, welcome. Hello. It's so good to have you on the follow-up <laughs> podcast. Um, it's, it's an honor. I've been listening for a while now, so it's pretty cool to be on here. Yeah, man. And Kenley, you're in the uh, creative sphere, hey? You're an actress. I, I am an actress, yeah. yes. And we'll, and we'll talk, <laughs> talk a little a bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about act, acting and your work in that sphere, what you think that means. But I think to start, give us a sense of who you are, where you're from. Give us a little insight into your life, into your world. Um, I mean, I grew up in a, a good old Afrikaans home in South Africa, in Cape Town, in the northern suburbs. Just your very, very basic uh, Christian Afrikaans household. Um, I'm an only child, but I always like to say and like throw in the fact that like I grew up around a lot of kids, so I'm like not that only child. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just grew up in a very like loving home. Um, my parents have always just been very like um, supportive and created like a really big space for me to um, follow um, follow my passions and pursue what I love and where my faith leads. And they've always encouraged me um, within faith. And and I think like I'm very much the product of, of two polar opposite parents who my dad's a mechanical engineer, like everything's like seen in straight lines in the black and white. And, and my mom's like the polar opposite. She loves fairies and spirals and colors and rainbows. And um, yeah, I think I fell somewhere in the middle and kind of got, got a great uh, support of both sides. And yeah, I think like if that's, that's like the best way to describe kind of where I come from, just a very, very basic upbringing, um, nothing too crazy, nothing too dramatic, very, very privileged actually. Um, and, and very thankful for, for where I came from. Yeah. And the underlying space that kind of you were brought up in and now animates a lot of what you do is your faith. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. What does your faith look like for you uh, and how has it kind of grown and shifted over the years? Man, I think like it's sometimes like it's difficult for me to share on my faith without telling like the story of my faith, like the timeline. I view the whole thing as a timeline. And, um, yeah, like when I grew up, like Jesus, he was just always a part of the picture. Um, he was always just 
the person that I knew and, and, um, I was told he loves me and I believed that and I trusted that. And, um, as I got older, it just became interesting how life kind of started to twist the way I see things. Um, like I, I remember my mom telling me the story of when I was like really young and um, going in for an operation and the nurse saying, you don't need to worry. Like, um, everything will be fine. I was just very bold in proclaiming, of course, I'm not worried. Jesus is with me. And well, my mom back then like completely freaked out and thought like I had a vision or something and God was coming to take me home. Yeah. <laughs> she has a play for the yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It was just like I did, I just very much trusted these stories that um, church told me and that my parents told me and, and I knew Jesus loved me and I knew he was close. And um, when I got older and life started to happen and um, school and friends and things just unfold it he just became like further away for me mm. I think like I realized just that as I started to get to know life and know myself I started to find a lot of reasons to hate myself and the more I hated myself the more the more like saying boldly that he loves me and that he's worth me just uh, it became more difficult to do and um I suppose I trusted that less and I didn't take these things just like as they were told to me. Um, but I never stopped believing in him. God just became this person that was like a bit further away. He was the person up in the sky and I was going through life and I believed in him and I wanted to do right by him. Um, like I'd go to church on a Sunday and I'd do all the things, uh, but it was, it was in my day-to-day life it was very much, he was over there and, and I was over here and sometimes over here got really busy and I would forget about him over there. Yeah. Um, and that kind of shifted when I was in high school and a friend, um, yeah, a friend approached me and kind of had a little talk and said, just, Hey, like, where do you think you land on a, this whole, uh, security and eternity type of situation? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like looking back, I don't know if I would have necessarily phrased it the way he had by just basically telling me, like, hey, do you think you'd go to heaven? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was actually a bit harsh, but um, I knew his heart and, and I love him for it. And he, yeah, just invited me into, into a different church space. And in that space was Hillsong Church. I just discovered how God can just be a lot closer and how this, this Jesus that I believed in actually wants to walk with me in my day to day. And, um, yeah, I wanted more, more of that. Um, and so I put up my hand at that like altar call. I had my altar call moment and I kind of recommitted my life to Jesus. And, um, yeah, I experienced his Holy Spirit come in and it was, it was a beautiful moment that shifted, um, and kind of set me on on a journey where, where I realized that he was a lot more alive and a lot more here and a lot more close. And I wanted to know what that looked like and how do you walk that out? And the years that followed were very much like kind of going in between just him being far away and then me going, Oh wait, but no, he isn't. And wanting to walk that out and, and wanting to, to live with him. Um, but, but life gets in the way again. 
and you find more reasons to not like yourself all that much and then you start doubting his love again. Um, I'm so and interested. I think, I want, yeah. Before you keep going, you keep bringing that, that idea up and I'm so interested for to hear um, why your sense of finding reasons not to love yourself interfered with your ability to love God or be loved by God. Can you unpack that thought a little bit? Because I think it's really profound. Yeah, it's it's such a weird thing. And I think I'm I'm only starting to really look at my journey through that lens more now. Um, but I just realized that that especially for me, I um I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but I'm an, I'm an Enneagram type one. And we are for some reason quite driven by this idea of wanting to be perfect and wanting to be good and right and um there's like a big kind of like sense of fear of, of being wrong or like not perfect, I suppose. Mm. And, and I think I just realized how, man, God's love is just, it's so, so profoundly great. And um, the fact is that, <laughs> you know, like we can't earn it and, and there's no deserving it. Mm. Um, he gives it and he gives it so freely. And, and I think it's just something that I wrestle with sometimes where I still want to somehow earn it. Like I still want to somehow justify myself and the less good I feel that somehow got like linked to how I thought you felt about me. And, and it wasn't always like a conscious thing. It's just something that I, I very much realized was a tendency of you if I wasn't doing everything exactly right I would somehow feel like I I couldn't stand in his presence and and how silly of me because that's like what am I doing with what Jesus did mm. you know what am I doing with this this massive acts of love and declaration that he gave for us when I when I try and justify myself so good. um I always get the so picture yeah, of, uh, of Adam and Eve in the garden and um you know, when they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the next thing that happens is shame. And then they go hiding in the bushes, you know, and God comes yeah. into the garden. And he's like, where are you guys? And it's not because he doesn't know, but it's because they don't know, <laughs> you know? And, and I think one of the mistakes maybe that we've made in some of the ways we've communicated the gospel and the Christian faith is we've actually reinforced that shame. Um, in subtle mm-hmm. ways, instead of declaring the radical message, which is to say that you can come out of the bushes, you can come out of hiding. Shame is actually de- dealt with in the person of Jesus. And yeah, yeah we, we've all failed, but through Jesus, there is this radical grace that gives us access to step through and, and not to push aside, but to actually journey through our mess. And uh, Jesus is okay with that. He, he meets us in the garden, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, the other day, I was really um, kind of just sitting, sitting with this because I have this, this need to just do the right thing. And, um, and I felt, I, as I was busy processing, I just kind of sat with God and, and I started writing out this thought. And, and I said, like, I know that even if I followed all the rules, like that wouldn't make me a good person and I would never feel deserving um, of his love um, because I can't earn it. Mm. But Jesus comes 
and he takes all these like rules that I try and measure goodness by and he puts them down and he shows me his hands and he holds me and tells me that it is good. Um, and I think like, that's just something that I'm really starting to, to want to sit in better, to, to trust that it is good with him. Yeah. So, yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah, so that's been like the unfolding journey. Um, that's like, it's been, it's been a long road to almost get to the point where I can even start to address these things in my life. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what led up to this was me just entering into spheres and experiences that for that time being could um, help me learn a bit more about what it looks like to walk with him and could bring me into spaces where I felt uh, safe to learn something new and where he could work on my heart and, and uh, take me a bit deeper with him. Mm. And, um, and I had a bit of a habit of, of wanting to make that expression that I was entering into, um, the like sum total of our relationship, that the way that it was expressed, that that was it, and that that was me living the good Christian life. And um, Manny's been just so gracious to help me also move beyond that, yeah. which is very much where I am now. I went, I went through this time where I was very um, kind of in between church and, and living in the world and, and kind of dealing with a lot of like condemnation about my Monday to Friday and then on a Sunday trying to get right again. And, yeah. and that wasn't, that wasn't quite working at all. Yeah. Um, and then, and then life hit me really hard. Um, and I got really sick and it was a beautiful space because I, I knew that I knew I needed church and I needed community. I needed people who spoke the faith that I, I went and sought on a Sunday. Um, and so I just made church non-negotiable and I started just plugging into every sphere, um, small groups and serving and just surrounding myself with, with people of faith and people who, um, yeah, were speaking love and life over me and, mm. And it was such a beautiful discovery. And I, I, I look back at that time and I really, like, I feel like it, that story um, where these group of friends bring the sick man to Jesus yeah. and Jesus goes like, their faith made you well. Mm-hmm. And I really had that experience. Um, I was in a small group and, and I, a few months prior to that, been diagnosed with um, an autoimmune disease and it had really thrown me for such a loop and I didn't know what to do with it. And I was really struggling to walk it out. Um, and I got to this group and, and I was just at that point in time, I was tired and I was just needing to be around people of faith so that they can help carry me in faith. And, and that's exactly what they did that night. They just gathered around me and, and, and prayed. And, um, I got to experience just his miraculous healing fall upon me. And it's, it was such an, it was such a big moment. Um, but it was also like much more than just that moment. It was a moment where I discovered what, what, what that community really meant. Um, and, and how we can carry each other. And yeah, that kind of set a new rhythm for me. Um, it was like, I, I always look at like the first moment of my life that stuff really shifted was when my friend had that first talk and then like a lot of, many years of life happened Mm. and then 
the sickness um, and the healing became this new moment where I discovered more of him. Yeah. Um, and not that he's just within that like manifestation, but but he is also yeah, that, and he is also that power. And that and wasn't something I really witnessed before. Yeah. And I think what you're touching on here, Kenley, is so, so, so powerful because I think one of the lessons we're learning from this whole Corona experience and uh, is that we've been living for a long time in isolation from one another. We've been around one another, but we've actually been isolated from one another. The suffering of the world, not being able to reach over the walls of privilege. Um, and so there's kind of been this disconnected way of being in the world. But one of the things I'm observing at the moment with Corona is there's, um, uh, there's a connecting at the moment. People are starting to realize that I'm connected to you and you're connected to me. We're connected to the world. Um, and our actions have implication for other people. And I actually think exactly what you're talking about in the same way that your healing time and time again has come through the context of community. I really believe whatever it means to move forward and build. And, you know, this is something I pull out of your story is whatever it's going to mean to go forward into an, in a new direction and not just be sucked back into the gravity of the normal. Uh, it's going to yeah. be together. Oh. It's not going to be alone. It's going to be together. You know, would you, would you agree with that? Yes. I think there's just, there's something so, so powerful when we come, come around each other and when we do stuff together, because just when you, when you're by yourself, I don't know. It's like this weird thing. Like I always think about like life and God and, and just everything in this idea of like, it's this really big picture. And when I'm standing with my nose up against the, like the face of this picture, I can only see like this tiny little glimpse. And, um, that's all I have. That's, that's like the sum total of my view. But if you're standing next to me and you're also really up close, you can tell me what you see and I can tell you what I see. And together we're getting a bigger picture. Beautiful. And uh, I just think there's like, there's just this thing of, we all have our talents and our skills and we have our perspectives and um, we are just limited. But when we're together, we're so much like stronger and we have a bigger picture and we have a fuller picture. Um, and we, yeah, like we have the skills to kind of walk that picture out together. But me by myself, I'm, I'm fairly useless. <laughs> I'm just fairly useless in isolation. Yeah. I can't offer much and I can't do much, but I can partner with God and with you. And, and, and together we're already doing something. Yeah. And then this uh, kind of community journey led you to a time where you were in YWAM in Ireland uh, and you talk about how this is a quite a shift for you. And I'm going to steal your words here because they're so beautiful. Uh, what you learned in this time, and then when I ask you to unpack it a bit is that for a long time you had been asking, how do you be his, or how do you kind of work toward that? But what you realized is that you already are his. And then this is, this is guys, if you're listening, you need to tweet this or do something with it. It's so powerful. To love him is to love with him. To love with him is to die with him. To die with him is to be raised with him. And to be raised with him is to love like him. Uh, tell us a bit about what, what you mean by that, Kelly. That's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do I mean by that? 
yeah, I don't know. Like it's interesting. I, I, um, so I went from being kind of really plugged into this church sphere to, to, um, to Jesus just bring me to the space where he was actually plot twist. We're going to do something a little different. And, um, I'd never heard about YWAM before or a, a discipleship training school. And the, the next minute I was applying for one and it brought me into the space where, where, yeah, um, things looked so, so different, so different to the structure that I was used to. And, um, it was also a really safe space where you could address more of my heart. And I, I just discovered kind of how there's like a lot of me that, that kind of needs to die down and that he, he enables me to do that. And, and that love the, my favorite thing that I, I really loved is, um, at this place where I was doing my DTS, um, there was this thing called border walk. And border walk is a three week pilgrimage that you do along the um, border of Northern Ireland. And um, the kind of the slogan that they have is love looks like something. And, and that really got me on, 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 on just this journey of thinking about what does love look like? And, and when Jesus says he loves me and he died for me and, and that I have life in him and, God is love. Like, what does all of, what does that look like, and what does that mean? And I think it's brought me to a space where, where now I'm really like in this time and in this space. I feel like there's a part of me that that is no longer afraid of just dying, because I know I'm dying with God. And especially over this past Easter weekend, like going through those days and really sitting and and going, man, like. I die with Jesus because I'm raised with Jesus. And, and I, a friend sent me this parable about this resurrection and talking about how this is like a really interesting parable. And in the parable, it's about the disciples that actually left on the Saturday after Jesus died and they went to a faraway place. And in this faraway place, um, they just build a life that was just centered around honoring the death of Jesus and living how he lived. And uh, many, many years later, these missionaries come to this town where these people have lived in isolation and they tell them, like, no, he was raised, like he's raised, he's, he, got, he got back up. And, and there's like a big celebration. And then the one missionary goes to look for the elder and the elder is like far away in his tent crying. And he's like, what's wrong? And, um, the elder says, I'm just really scared that right now they're just going to live for the resurrection and not for the life that Jesus lived. Mm. And I'm like paraphrasing it really badly. But when I read that, it just made me think so much about how his resurrection is continually carried out through us when we live and love like him. Um, and loving, like loving like him doesn't just mean um, telling someone you love them, it means serving people and washing their feet and um, meeting them where they're at and sitting with them. Mm. Um, it's not like this, just everything will be okay type of mentality. It's, it's something where you take up a cross and you, you give your life. Yeah. And yeah, I just really like in this time 
and in this space and especially in our country where man there's like so much need i think right now it's it's very interesting because we're stuck in our homes and we're very limited in in how we are able like to go out and and just physically be hands and feet we can't do that right now um but we can sit and we can mourn with people mm-hmm. and we can, we cannot try and like just brush over the hurts we can we can sit in it and know that god's in that too and he's with them and he's with us and we're with each other and then when our doors are open again i hope that that passion that compassion that comes out of like hurting with people will move us to to really go in and build and share what we have to share mm. um to not just say that i'm going to pray for someone but to understand that i i get to be an answer to someone's prayer Absolutely. is is really yeah what i think i i want to learn more how to do Yeah. And and I love what you wrote what you uh, we we spoke before this and what you said is um I was asking you like how is your personal friendship with Jesus kind of leading you through this space and it's exactly what you've just said you spoke about the importance of lament and how sometimes we want God to save us from something but he's inviting us to be in something you know and the more I think yeah. about that the more I think about the fact that we don't know how or when or what it will look like on the other side of this or in the wake of corona but we do know for now it's almost like we're in the season of incubation it's almost like god is planting stuff inside of us for those of us who have open hearts eyes to see ears to hear you know and that the things he plants in us in this season are going to necessarily call us into a new way of being in the next season you know and i think mm-hmm. for me that picture of lamenting and mourning with and allowing myself to feel and uh, weep with those who weep uh, at this time starts to build in me a sense of resonance with the humanity that God's called me to serve so that when i do step out and start to yeah. live his resurrection life into reality it's kind of it it comes from a deeper space than just good intentions you know what i mean it's like born out of my own personal wrestling in that space there's a kind of a line with what you're talking about around lament yeah yeah i think um i was talking the other day and um my friend was like it, he's he's like he's he's careful to sing the line break my heart for what breaks yours um and i think sometimes we want to sing that in worship so just like freely break my heart for breaks yours but but what does it mean and and can we can we actually sit in the weight of that mm-hmm. um and understand that like if we asking him to break our hearts for what's breaking his that like i mean like that feels shattering and that feels like death and um and we have to go through that yeah. we have to go through that so that we can walk out on the other side and so that we can go be the hands and feet so we can go live out this resurrection um and so that love can actually look like something i think we need to yeah within our faith we need to be so careful to not make our words empty um and to not make make it just words but to to really let this happen to us um and and allow ourselves to participate and really build this kingdom um and i think it's it's i think it, it takes something to move us to do it 
Yeah. And and to, like you said, to allow something to be planted right now that's going to grow into our actions that yeah. that we walk into once we're allowed, um, once we're allowed to, because we're like stuck. Yeah. And I think that's something that's also interesting because you feel you want to go, you want to go. But um, yeah, man, I just kind of pray that this time would really move us and shape us and mold us. So when we exit our homes, we are compelled to take action. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really just be, be Jesus, be Jesus yeah. with, with skin on in the world. Yeah. So good. One of the, the things that I always think is that, you know, there's one school of thought that says Jesus died. So we don't have to, but my particular perspective is that Jesus died to show us how to. And, um, if mm. we, if we're trying to avoid our crucifixion, we also bypass our resurrection, you know, uh, and so there is no life except through death. That's kind of the invitation of the gospel in such a profound way, you know. And for you, Kenny, that yeah. uh, death, that life, that living out the resurrection life of Jesus, that's kind of led you into the sphere of the arts and being an actress. Tell us a little bit about the mission field there where, where God's called you to serve him and live kingdom. And what have you done recently? I know there's some cool stuff you've done recently. And what are you doing currently? That's also really funny. Give us a sense of that. Yeah, man, like actually my whole journey into this acting world was a journey in and of itself. Um, I, I, really, I really wore that hat of struggling actress quite, in quite a big way. It was, it was many years of, of actually wrestling and going, Lord, like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this acting thing? Because the doors just weren't opening. And um and yet every time I, I came back to him and asked, he he never said, go do something else, except for the little part where he called me into the mission fields of YWAM. Um, mm. But then he told me to come back and, and keep at this acting thing. And it was actually a very confusing space and was also actually a space where I really had to um, kind of sit, kind of like we're sitting now and and just let this passion and this desperation to do this thing grow within me um, so that when the door opened, I, I would run through it and, and walk it out. And um, so I, I finished studying in what, like 2016? Um, and then last year, so three years later only, <laughs> did I finally book my first job in the industry and I shot um uh, my first feature film um called Forget My Knee that yeah. was released at the start of the year. Um, quite a big deal by the way was just the... subtly just Kenny just subtly humbly putting that out there. Quite a big deal actually in the <laughs> South African film industry. Yeah. It, it it felt like a very big deal to me. I'm gonna yeah. be <laughs> I did cry when I found out that I finally got a job. Um, it was because it was so interesting because I was like, man, I just want to get paid for this thing that I love, but I just want to be in that space and be a part of telling stories. Um, and so I had my first opportunity to do that. Yeah. And uh, the movie came out and it was such a weird experience actually, because it was this thing that I'd been waiting for for such a long time. And, and I'd always had this kind of idea in my mind that if God kept telling me that like, this is what I was supposed to do, that, um, that this was like my mission field because the industry is, yeah, man, there's like a lot of, with, with all the arts, there's a lot of, 
um, hurt and and a brokenness or and and people who are told that they're like not quite normal and yeah, yeah. and they all kind of I feel like gravitate towards expressing um, this rejection sometimes through mm. their arts and stuff. And so there's a whole lot of that in the industry. And there's, um, there's a whole lot of people who have been very hurt by church and, and who have been told that, that this loving God we speak of doesn't love them because of who they are. And I love And, the, uh, and I, I wanted to make sure, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to make sure I get this line in here. <laughs> Because you, you know, you see, for you, you really do see this place of the arts and acting as a mission space where God has called you to serve. And then you kind of trace this journey of how you used to think that that meant kind of convincing people to believe in Jesus, et cetera, and trying to get them into the club of Christianity or whatever that looks like. But now um, you, you just kind of see your work as being love in a space filled with hurting people. Um, and that somehow yeah. just the weight of that love you feel is the invitation of in sort of this embodied kingdom and resurrection life, you know, unpack that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, um, yeah, younger Kenley kind of looked at the space and, and she was very much in her, her good old Christian box and just wanted to get people converted to Christianity because that's, that was the point. And, um, and that was going to be my mission field. uh, to convince people and um, I just I really had to sit and face the fact that like the way I was talking about God or the way I was approaching it um, wasn't really representing the love that I said he had I did this um, this apologetics course online and one of the things that really stood out was this this thing that they said where they said um if you answer a question someone asks you about God, but the answer you give makes him think about God in a way that isn't true to his nature or character, then you still gave the wrong answer, mm. even if what you said was technically correct. Mm. Um, and that really shifted it for me because I was, I was kind of very keen to just kind of load up my arsenal of like, facts and truths to throw at people and like be there for the debates and and that wasn't that wasn't gonna gonna be loving them and mm. that wasn't gonna convince them that God loves them. Yeah. Um and and I realized man it's it's like it's only through love that you can actually allow someone to be convinced of and experience the love that you speak of. Um, it can't be through your words. You're not gonna convince someone by telling them he loves you kind of yeah, thing. And yeah. then like, but, but this is what you need to do. No, like, I think we are first called to love. We are first called to love. And, um, and he loves every single person yeah. so much more than I do. Yeah. And he's so much more concerned about their life and their eternity than I am. Yeah. So why am I getting panicky trying to like, convince people why am I not just loving them like he asks me to yeah. and let God be God and I think and I, that's, yeah, absolutely. that's what I'm trying to learn and I think you know it's not in it's not uh in the absence of speaking and preaching I think you know there's still that passage in the scripture where it says how will anyone believe if they never hear and how will anyone hear if they're never told and how will 
they'd be told if no one ever is preachers or saying, you know, so we get that. But I think what you're saying and what I 100% agree with is that sometimes our methods undermine our message. And so we tell people about this loving God in a way that's not loving at all. And sometimes yeah. we, we don't live a life that's so persuasive that it actually earns us the right to speak. And I'm always amazed with Jesus, you know, and Dallas Willard talks a bit about this, about how, you know, in Jesus' life, he's always, he lives this um, magnetic kingdom reality in the world. And then his life is so convincing that people um, are drawn to him. And then he lives out the healing of his kingdom in their lives and miraculously healing the sick, raising the dead, doing what he does. And his response always, he tells people straight away, he says, now don't go tell anyone. And then what do they do immediately? They go tell everyone. <laughs> because it's because what they've experienced in his life is just so good. And I think Dallas points out, he yeah. says, you know, in spite of Jesus' best attempts, he couldn't keep himself a secret. And in spite of our best attempts, we can't seem to make him known. Why? And I think that's a key issue there is that very often we try and persuade people that something they haven't experienced is real instead of allowing them to experience it and then explaining to them what it is. And, and I think that's why I just love what you were saying, being love in a space of many hurting people. I think it's, it's wonderful, man. And so, so then you look at your industry and your sphere and the arts and being an actress in other creative spaces. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people listening into this who, and really this is the point of this whole series, is to say Jesus has in his wisdom, planted us in different places. I would, if I had been on Fakhirp, many, it would have been terrible because I can, I can barely speak Afrikaans. And yet there you are, right? And God's placed you in that sphere of, of arts and creativity because he knows that he's put tools in your toolbox to be kingdom reality in that space, to live out the resurrection there. And there are other people listening in who, like you, feel they're called to that sphere and to serve the Lord for his purposes in that place. And so... I guess as you reflect on your own wrestling in that space, what are some of the lessons you're learning that you could maybe share with people going forward? What, what does it look like for people in the, the sphere of the arts to uh, sort of live resurrection life and build kingdom in the wake of Corona? What does that look like? Yeah, I think there's like, there's, um, especially like in this industry, there's, there's always this kind of two part of for me, because there's this one side where, um, we have this amazing vehicle for inspiring, um, hope and unity. The stories that we tell can be so powerful. And I really believe in the power of story. I believe, um, so much in this idea, like, and I've seen it, how you can, hear a story or you can be watching a movie and something shifts in you because um, there's something so beautiful about following another's journey and through that safely being able to explore yourself in that. And, um, and I think, yeah, our stories that we share can be so powerful. And I think as artists in this time um, and in the time to come, like, let's, yeah, let's really like wield that with integrity. Like let's make sure that we share stories that that bring us closer as a nation and 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 remind people of what it means to be a fellow human and and let's also bring in lightness and joy. And I think it's so 
wonderful for me to see like comedians and stuff stepping up during this time and just wanting to bring in a little bit of comedy and humor and and in using their talents to lift people's spirits and I think mm-hmm. that's so there's this like this one side of like this um this tool we have on a grand scale to to reach many and inspire many um and then we also need to remember that that we are also in the industry and i think sometimes for me like i'm not i'm not a great writer um or director although i would have loved to be but um so my field is very much actually just being on set and and to participate in the story that gets told um not so much in in selecting what story is told and in the creating of it and and as much as it is about the story of what we put out there it's also about the people that are coming together in this time i think a lot of artists and freelancers and people in the industry man they're like really suffering because it's there's no security there's no like building up there's no steady income um and there wasn't one before so much less now and i think yeah i'm seeing a lot of a lot of people suffer and and i think i just really hope that as we're in this and as we come out of this that we would also be very good at 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 being there for each other um mm-hmm. as artists understanding that like people need to put food on their tables and it is that desperate for some and so yeah i just think i think we have we have the ability to tell really good stories of this time and through this time and after this time but i also think man we need to see each other and not just see stories that we tell see each other and see the people who are a part of making these stories and and gather around them and 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 make sure there's food on people's tables and and that they able to continue telling these stories and and see their hearts and i think think yeah like i don't know if i <laughs> i could even feel comfortable just giving advice to people um uh, but i i hope that others who are in a similar situation as i am can can walk in the same hearts and that we can find a way to really just be better to be better as a community in creating community yeah. um and i hope that this kind of spreads out so good man yeah. and I, and i love that it's like uh you know this idea in the church of the priesthood of all believers how there's no professional christians the same spirit that lives in anyone mm-hmm. is the same spirit that lives in everyone and how jesus has strategically placed pastors and priests within the industry you know people like yourself who are there doing what they do and yet are surrounded daily by a bunch of people who need to know the love of jesus and so it's not only looking at the medium or the canvas but it's looking at the artists that you share your space with and how do you be Christ to them in that mm-hmm. space as well beautiful beautiful yeah. and then you said one more thing i really want to touch on and then we'll kind of wrap it up you said uh, create content that serves as seeds going far beyond the work of simply putting food on our own tables uh, just give us an insight into what that means it's so well so well said yeah i this idea of seeds um has been kind of something that i've heard a lot lately um and i've heard before and i i really like this idea i like the idea that right now we're kind of almost in a space where um we get to address the soil of our hearts and we get to allow good seeds to be planted and 
And um, I'm really excited to see what comes after this in this time where we work in ground and stuff. Um, but I think when it comes to content and stuff, like I think it's it, what I meant when I said that is very much kind of what I was touching on before is that I hope that we create something that plants something in someone else's heart that would move them to also take action. Mm. Um, that we would move them to also help another person that, cause I think, in this industry and in the arts, it's, we can also be very quick to just want to make sure that we get to put food on our own table. Um, we're so desperate to just book a job and, and earn that income and or to create something so that we can make money off of it. And, and I just really hope that coming out of this, when we're all going to be very shaken financially, I, I just hope that that would not be the thing that drives us. I really hope that we can... Uh, um, we can create something that just moves beyond our own tables, um, but invites people to our table um, so to put wow. on their tables. That we, yeah, that we um, we just learn to to just after this not be just caring about ourselves, not just being caring about like putting money in our pockets. And I think for me, sometimes it's like in the industry, it's like very much your face and, and your image and getting yourself mm-hmm. out there. And and I just really hope that for myself as well, that I would not find myself stepping into a desperation of, of just wanting to make sure that I'm okay after this, mm-hmm. but that I, I would still remain desperate to be, to be fighting to make sure everyone starts getting okay after this. And I think, yeah, that's, that's what I meant by that. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Kenley. And, um, Finally, I don't want to just inspire people. I want to try and put stuff in their hands. Where can people find Fakhiat Maini? Where can they go watch you uh, do the things? And then number two, uh, are there any books, resources, podcasts you're listening to at the moment that are helping you live this resurrection life in the sphere of the arts? Um, okay, Fakhiat Maini was in the cinemas. So obviously you would be calculating there, right? We'll have to get back. We'll have to get back there later on. Yeah. If you're a private screener, but, um, you're a garden cinema or something. Yes, no, but um actually I did find out the other day that they're um planning on putting it on box office soon. Okay. So hopefully still within this time of lockdown people will be able to just find some some good old Afrikaans entertainment on their screens. Uh, but I'll keep you posted once I know more about that. Um, lately, I've been I've been listening to some Richard Raw, some good old Richard Raw, and it's been it's been quite a shift because I haven't very much explored him before before um, this year actually. So I've been really enjoying his views on things. I'm current I'm currently reading his book uh, Falling Upward, which mm-hmm. is funny because I have a tattoo that says um, Upward Falling. No, <laughs> which is why the book got suggested to me. Yeah. Another book that I um, listened to the other day that I thought was quite profound is a book called Sex God by um, Rob Bell. And it was such an interesting thing to listen to, but what was really beautiful for me in it was how he draws this line of, of Jesus and his bride and what that looks like and just... Um, he traces like throughout the Bible, all these different references, how God uses 
um, marriage as a way of uh, conveying his love to us. Or and okay, I definitely do want to recommend this. It's called Guardians of the Flame. Yeah, and, um, a little bit of Johnny Clark out there. Hello, Johnny Clark, all the way in Ireland. You beautiful man. Yes. Um, so they actually recently made the documentary Guardians of the Flame, the first um, part. They made it available online, um, and I watched it, and man, it was so good. Mm. And it speaks a lot about um, to to really like walk out Jesus is to be to be having a heart for reconciliation and mm. to be partaking in peace work and, and reconciliation and stuff. And I, I do believe that firmly. Um, and so I would definitely recommend having a look at that. Um, and then also he does great podcasts, which I've been also listening to. And then there's this other podcast called The Follower Podcast. Ooh, which is pretty what a good one. What a good one. I mean, the guy um, who runs it is a bit annoying, but generally there's some good stuff in there. You know. Hey, Kenley, listen, thanks so much for being on The Follower Podcast. Dave. It's been so good having you and uh, everything you've shared is so, so val- uh, valuable. I think it's going to really help people in your sphere of influence. And uh, I'm just excited to be a part of the body with you and excited for what Jesus is going to do in our collective efforts as we seek to kind of live out this resurrection life in the wake of everything that's happening at the moment, man. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me and listening. Yeah, man. And everybody else, we'll see you on the next episode of the follow-up podcast as we carry on the rest of the Saturate series. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. And just before you go, I wanted to ask you to do three things. Number one, go across to the YouTube channel, Matt Lewis 516 subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the reason for that is that every single one of these audio sessions has a video session as well. So by subscribing and turning on notifications, you can stay up to date with all of those sessions. Number two, go to Instagram, Matt Lewis 516 and follow there. The reason for that is that we're putting out all kinds of different content in addition to the follower podcast that may also be helpful for you and number three go to mattlewis.co.za if you haven't already and sign up for the quarterly newsletter the latest Uh, this will give you information on everything i've been doing uh, everything i will be doing and how you can get involved with that it also with time will give you first dibs on events that we're organizing when we can start to meet together again Um, And I'd love for you to be a part of that story. This is just my little way of making the first contact of the internet start to move toward actual connection and community, which is really my heart behind all of this. Because whatever it means for us to really follow Jesus in the world today, I really believe we're going to have to do that together. So do those three things, the Instagram, the YouTube, and the website, and that helps us move from contact to connection. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next session.